So if you got your Bible, well, hang on, we'll, we'll get to that because uh, I got something I want you to do first. Um, so when Taylor asked me to speak, he said, what do you want to talk about? And he had a list of 10 or 15 topics to pick from. And um, I picked this one for two reasons. First of all, it's similar to something I've talked to you guys about already. Um, and we're going to review that a little bit. And the second piece is when I was in my sophomore year of college, I was a resident assistant at Tacoa Falls College in Georgia. And during the resident assistant training where they send you away to run a, a, a wing of the dorm, I had 26 guys that I was in charge of. Um, we went to a camp as a Christian school, so we went to a camp and they did some training on leadership training and development. And one of the classes that they offered in the evening was how to know God's will for your life. And about 80% of the people that went to that um, training seminar, that whole training time, went to that seminar. That was one of the most common things that young people, both male and female, as they were looking to be leaders at the college, we're wondering, how do I know what God's will is? How do I hear him speak? How do I know what he wants from me? How do I know what my life is supposed to be about? It kind of lays the tracks for everything else that we do. And so to me, this was an obvious one. I picked it and I said, I'd like to talk to him about how to know God's will for your life. Um, and I want to start by asking back almost a year ago. So 10 months ago, I spoke to you guys. How many people were here when I spoke at Aftershock? Put your hand up. There's a handful of you, maybe 10. Um, how many people remember what I talked about? Nick remembers. Anybody else remember? What, what was one of the things I talked about? Fishbowl. Fishbowl was one. And what was the second? Kreitz. Yeah, good job. 10 months and you guys still remember Kreitz and fishbowls. Now, do you remember what they were about? What was the whole point of that? Yeah. Nope, you're right. Okay. Yep. Um, like truckers at a truck stop would come and get things. You got it. Good memory. We were putting cassette tapes. It was back before the digital world when I was a kid. Uh, we had cassette tapes, putting them in fish bowls at truck stops, and truckers would come and get those tapes. What was the point of both crites and fish bowls? Why did I tell you those stories? Remember? Yeah, yeah. So it, the whole point of what I shared those two stories was I was doing something that I didn't feel like really had a lot of worth to it. I was, you know, I was doing a funeral for the Kreitz family that I thought was kind of a waste of my time. I was making tapes and putting them in a fishbowl, which I kind of thought was a waste of my time. Little did I know that God was unfolding a plan. And at the end of both of those stories, people came to know Christ as a result of what was taking place in something that I thought was a waste of time. And really the point of that whole conversation 10 months ago, and these are the phrases that I talked about, God is working in this world. All around us, God is at work. And all we have to do is recognize where God is working. And once you see that God's working, that becomes your invitation to join Him and jump in and help out. And when you do that, things begin to happen. So how do you know God's plan for your life? I already talked about it 10 months ago. Look around, see where God's working. And when you see God at work in someone's life, 
that's your opportunity to jump in and join them. When someone comes up to you and says, what's this whole church thing about that you're doing? God's working in their heart. That's your invitation to jump in, join them, and start doing the work that God is already doing, and He's calling you now to be a part of. So we already talked about that 10 months ago, and I thought about, except I knew, I knew for a fact Nick remembered, because we've talked about it a couple times throughout the year, and I thought about just doing that exact same message and seeing how many of you were like, wait a minute, I've heard this before. Um, but I want to look at a different take on it, okay? And here's my thought for today. When we talk about understanding what God is doing, I think we way overcomplicate it. How do I know God's will for my life? We way overcomplicate this thing. I, I get intimidated when Taylor says, speak on it, and this is my choice of what I get to talk about. Okay, there's like 2,000 pages in here. Where do I start? Uh, we, we way overcomplicate it. So if you're a reader, if you're someone that enjoys the English vocabulary, you will run into a lot of people who make complicated words to talk about simple tasks. And what I don't want to do is make complicated this morning. Hey, guys. What I don't want to do this morning is make complicated a simple thing. I don't want to use big words that I can't even pronounce to communicate something very simple. How do you know what God wants from you? If you know what God wants from your life, if you can read God's plan and you understand what he wants from you, then it's just a matter of doing. And I want to make it real simple for you today. And we're going to bounce around just a little bit. So if you want to turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, many of you probably have the passage memorized. My first thought is going to come from Ephesians chapter 2. Okay, four pieces to this I want to look at this morning. The first one is that God created us for specific works. If we're going to talk about what God's plan is for our life, the first thing we have to acknowledge is that there is a plan. For every single one of you, what, what do we got, 40, 45 people in here today? God has 40 to 45 specific plans that he's developed that's unique to you. And the Bible talks about that. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God created us, it says in Ephesians 2.10, God created us for specific works. He has a plan for your life that he's unfolding. He has specific things that he wants you to do, specific tracks that he wants you to walk on in your life. I don't know how many of you have heard of John Eldridge. Um, one of the best little books I've ever read is these hundred pages in John Eldridge. Some of you in here have been through, a, we did a little Bible study together with this. It's called The Epic, and it really takes a step back from down in the weeds of your life, what school do you go to and who are your friends and all that. And it takes it back up and looks at the scope of God's plan. What happened at creation and where he's going and what role you play in 2020, 2021, coming up in 2022, what does God want from you in the epic story that he's telling? Highly recommend this book. If you haven't read it, it's easy read. You can read it in a day, 100 little pages, and there's no big words like this in it. Okay? God has a plan for your life. He's unfolding something. 
There's details to the story and what He wants from you and how you play into that. The plan, it says here, are specific things that God prepared beforehand and He wants you to walk in them. So think through, when you look at the Bible and you think through the stories of people, what are some specific things that people in the Bible did? Anything come to mind? What did Noah do? He built the ark. Give me some other ones. Yeah. Moses split the Red Sea, brought the people out of Egypt. A specific plan that God had for Noah. A specific plan that God had for Moses. Who else? David killed Goliath and ultimately was what? He was the king. What if David woke up and said, nah, I got my own plan. Who cares what God has in store? God had a specific plan for David, and David at times walked in that, and at times did do his own thing and create a lot of problems. Who else? Joseph, coat of many colors. Look at what Joseph did. God had a plan for Joseph to go to Egypt, become under Pharaoh, second in command, stockpile food, save the nation of Israel by being able to feed them. Who else? Abraham. What did Abraham do? I don't know who said it. Yeah. Abraham was going to be the father of the nation of Israel and didn't have any kids. And God said, that's okay, I got this covered. And at a hundred and some years old, has a kid. Who else? Yeah. Esther. Esther, what'd she do? What's that? I still can't hear, sorry. I'm old. Esther was a queen. Okay? Amazing what Esther did and how she protected God's people as a queen. Yeah. When she kind of thwarted someone's plan to kill everyone. Absolutely. Yeah. Joshua, what did he do? God, God decided to send Israel in, and he needed someone to lead the cheer and to go in there, and he was one of the spies that went in and ended up setting up the conquering of Canaan. So you can look throughout Scripture, person after person. You got David, you got Paul in the New Testament. You got John, who wrote all about the book of Revelation and what heaven's going to be like. So much of what we understand from heaven is because God had a plan for John's life. Even though he was on the Isle of Patmos, being punished for his faith, plays a key role even today in how we understand what heaven is like. God has a specific plan. We start with that thought in Ephesians 2.10. We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works, good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in Him. What's the plan for your life? You know that God has a specific plan for your life. You may be a eighth grader, and you're like, "He's got a specific plan for me." Yes, He does. You guys looked at all those famous celebrities: Barack Obama, Donald Trump, uh, singers, actors, all kinds of people. One day they were in 8th grade. God's got a plan, a specific plan for your life and what He wants to unfold. Are we taking time in our life to look at what God's plan is for our life? So point number one, He's got a specific plan. Point number two, God has equipped us 
for this plan. He's given us everything we need to be able to do this. Back in Ephesians chapter 1, um, Ephesians chapter 2, sorry, ver- hang on. Yeah, <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of the world and according to the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that is at work in the sons of disobedience. Among them we all formerly lived in the... Uh, in the I can't see with these lights. In the passions of the flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest. All of us were born into a mess, born into caring about only ourselves, following the course of the world. You've probably heard this thing taught 500 times. But then in verses 8 and 9, which prefaced right before what we just read, it says, But by grace you have been saved through faith, not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one can boast. We're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So God has equipped us. He's given us everything that we need. He's given us all of the tools by saving us, by bringing us into his own family, adopting us into his family. If you go back to chapter 1 and look at verse... uh, Three, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Every spiritual blessing is available to us. So God's got a plan, a specific plan for your life. Number two, God reached down and picked you up out of the mess of this world and your own selfishness, put you in His family, and then made everything that heaven has available available to you so that you could win and accomplish the plan that God's called you to do. Think about that, guys. Well, I can't. I'm I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm too short. I'm too tall. I'm too poor. I'm too whatever. I don't talk well. I don't communicate well. Really? So God made a mistake? in developing a plan for your life, in putting together what He wants from you, and then reaching down and pulling you out of the mess of this world, putting you on His team, and saying everything that is available in heaven is available to you. I fully equipped you to do the job, and your response is, I I can't. Really? So He's equipped us to do what He created for us to do, Third, good, God communicates His work to us. And I want you to go back. This is getting into the meat of what I want to talk about. Go back a little further into Hebrews chapter 1. We'll get into the meat of how we actually know God's plan. Hebrews chapter 1. And the first two verses. It says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, and through whom he also created the world. So it's said that God used to reveal his plan in a lot of different ways. Okay, verse 1. Long ago, many times, and in many different ways, God spoke to our fathers. What are some ways God spoke in the Old Testament? Fire them out. Through the Ark of the Covenant, the burning bush, Ten Commandments, Commandments. he wrote on a tablet. What else? 
There's some good ones back there. Yeah. Like in this, the story of Ezekiel, when uh, God was got his wings like on the cloud. Yeah, he was on a cloud, and there were these wheels in the sky. God ever used that for you? Has he ever said, hey, I want to talk to you about the plan I have for your life. And he sends you up on a cloud and puts all these wheels in motion and starts explaining. You've never done that to me. He's done that in the Old Testament. What else? The writing on the wall. One of my favorites. How would you guys like to sit here and say, okay, God, what's the plan for my life? And all of a sudden, just a hand appears with nobody holding it or anything, and it starts writing exactly what God wants for your life right on the wall. Happened in the Old Testament. A hand just started moving and writing. What else? What other ways did God speak? Did he ever speak audibly? Burning bush. He also spoke in uh, Exodus 19 when the whole mountain shook. When they were ready, they said, hey, we want to talk to God himself. Moses, why do you always get to go up? God said, all right, prepare yourselves. They all gather around the mountain. The mountain shakes and God's voice thunders out and they all take off and run and say, hey, don't let him talk to us. We'll all die. He spoke audibly. He spoke through prophets. He spoke through burning bushes. He spoke through Red Seas. He spoke through a mule. Remember that story? A donkey talks? Yeah, with Balaam. I mean, God spoke in the Old Testament in a lot of different ways. In a varying degree of, of communication. Rainbows. He spoke from rock. He spoke from water. Snakes. Um, all kinds of things. But it says now in verse 2, but in these last days, He has spoken to us how? Through His Son. So God took all the ways He used to communicate, all of the types of ways that He would speak to people, and He said, I've got one that's so much clearer. Jesus. That's why it's so significant when you look at the Gospel of John, chapter 1, it says, in the beginning was the... Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then later on in the chapter, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Dwelt, the word in Greek literally meaning tabernacled or pitched a tent. So basically, God's like, you know, this whole speaking through a rock and speaking through a hand and speaking from clouds and rainbows and water, and all, it, it's, it's time I just send my son down. Let's get real. Let's get intimate. And so the Word became flesh, built a tent, and lived in the midst of the people. And now we have direct communication through the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives to hear exactly what God wants from us. All the complicatedness of the back half of Scripture in trying to understand God's voice is clarified because the Word became flesh and now God communicates His work directly to us. God wants us to know His mind for us. It isn't a game. It isn't a mystery. It came with a great cost. But now God stands in our midst through the presence and the relationship with His Son. And He says, you want to know your plan? I'll tell you. I'll tell you the plan I have for your life. Which leads me to my last thought. A, God's got a plan. B, He's equipped you and given you everything you need to do it. C, He communicates that plan to you. 
through the power and presence of His Son. And so what's the key that unlocks it all? Relationship with God is the key. Relationship with God is the key. I want to end in John chapter 14. Gospel of John chapter 14. Again, a common passage that I'm sure you guys know. John 14 and verse 4. John 15, sorry. John 15 and verse 4. He says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branches cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. A relationship with God, an intimate relationship with God, is the key to knowing God's plan for your life. You can overcomplicate it. If you guys want to sit down and write out 50 steps to know God's will for your life, you can do it. You want to write a big, thick book on how to decipher God's plan for your life, you can. But I've got a pretty simple thought. I know He's got a plan. I know He's equipped me. I know He'll tell me. And the key that unlocks it all is to be in a close relationship with Jesus. It's that simple, guys. It really is that simple. And when you're in a close relationship with Jesus, you hear His voice and you understand what God wants for you. And so he goes to John chapter 15 and he says, pretty simple, there's a couple of points here. We need to know who God is. First of all, He's the vine. He's in charge. He has the plan. He makes the call. He provides the ability. The passage clearly states, He's the vine. We're the branch. We draw our sustenance from Him. We draw our food from Him. You cut the branch off and apart from the base, apart from the vine, we're worthless. Everything we are, everything we've been created to be is found in the vine. And the whole point of the passage is stay connected to the vine. Stay in relationship with the vine. Stay close to the vine. And when you do, when he is the vine and you're acting like a branch, what does it say happens? You bear fruit. You start producing. You start doing what God has called you to do. And so verses 4 through 6, really the drumbeat is remain in the vine. Stay connected. Stay in relationship with Jesus. The time that you spend with him, the time that you're reading his word and letting him listen, the time that you're in youth group, the time that you get together with friends and talk about life and real life and spend time praying together, spend time seeking the face of God. In a world where there's a million things competing for our attention, most of them starting right here. We miss the obvious, we overcomplicate it, and we can't figure out what God wants for our life. Well, guess what? He's got a plan. He's equipped you to live it. He wants to communicate it to you. All you need to do is be in close relationship to the vine. My wife's birthday was a couple of weeks ago. If I came to any one of you and said, I need you to do me a favor. We both, well, she turned 51 and I'm going to be 51 in a couple of weeks. So the 50 was the big one, right? Last year. If I said, I need your guys' help. I need one of you to volunteer to make the perfect birthday party for her. How many of you could pull it off? 
two hands are up and both of them aren't true. Because <laughs> both of you don't know what my wife likes and don't like. You would ask me? Okay, so you do your homework. Yeah. But if there was nothing but you to do it, could you plan it? No. It takes connection. It takes understanding. It takes relationship. It takes knowing someone. And when you spend time with Jesus and you get to know his heart and you know what he's about and you see him working in crates and fishbowls and other places around your life, you start to recognize it and you say, wait a minute, God's calling me to be a part of that. And when you jump in and be a part of that, you're doing his work. And when you're doing his work, you're created to do what you're now doing. And it all stemmed from being in a relationship with you. So if you want to know what God's plan is for your life, you're welcome to go buy complicated books. You're welcome to go read 12-step plans. You're welcome to find some podcasts that may or may not have some help for you in it. And there's truth in all of those things. Or you can simply get serious in your walk with Jesus. Buckle down, spend time with him, get to know his heart, and say, God, what do you want from me? And I guarantee you, you'll hear his voice.